The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I am the host for the podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is co-founder and producer of the podcast. Today's episode is episode number 346. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating so that we can be found when people are looking for help with addiction. Please also subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up on our videos and also ring the bell so that you will be notified when we put new episodes up. Today, we have an interview. The interview today is with a lady named Tonja Miles. She's a multifaceted leader, ordained minister, and passionate advocate for mental health awareness, substance abuse recovery, and trauma healing. Over 36 years in recovery from addiction, Tanya has overcome suicide attempts and childhood and adult sexual abuse, earning a diagnosis of PTSD. Her inspiring story has been shared in books, documentaries, talk shows, and national TV series. Tanya's leadership prowess shines through her when you are ready campaign, where she leads a team of peer support specialists striving to reduce overdose deaths. Her military service in the Louisiana Army National Guard further honed her leadership skills. She's testified on Capitol Hill, served on community boards, and is deeply involved in mental health advocacy. Tanya's mission is to educate and inspire others, reducing stigma around mental health and addiction. Her book, from the Crack House to the White House, delves into her transformative journey. It's available on Amazon. Let's talk to Tanja Miles. Tanja Miles. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm actually excited to talk to you. What? Um, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? And you know what was your childhood like? And what prompted you to try drugs and go down that road? Well, first of all, again, I can't thank you enough for having conversations like this. Addiction is no joke. I hate it with everything within my fiber. It is killing our country and community like never before. And we can talk about fentanyl for real, for real, because it's a weapon of mass destruction that we have to address like never before. But for me, you know, I wake up every day on a mission to push hope and to save lives and to really change the world. And that's just not something I just throw out there. I'm really serious about that because most people did not think I would live to be uh, past 18. I'm from Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, I grew up in uh, a time where community was key. Uh, my parents, my dad was in the military back then. And, you know, we lived with my grandmother for a long period of time. So I was this little happy girl who had the same big teeth, the same big forehead that you can see when I move my weave, um, who just love entertaining people. I have the gift of gab and you'll see that. But I love entertaining people. I love to see people laugh. And so I was this little girl who loved to sing and who loved to entertain people. Matter of fact, I wanted to uh, sing on Broadway. And I was pretty much on track to do that. Um, everybody was just gracious. And so, you know, wanting to hear me sing and entertain them and make them happy. But that little girl, she died. And I said that she died and nobody grieved for her. When I was seven years old, I was molested uh, by a bully in our uh, in our on our street 
for about two years. And that shame just stayed inside of me. You know, people always ask, why didn't you say anything? Well, I was told not to. And I was a seven-year-old girl who, you know, was, 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 felt like I had no choice. And, and so here I am, I'm carrying all this in. So, you know, when I was little, I went from this little girl who was happy and vibrant to this monster. People used to always say, Tanja, what the hell is wrong with you? But nobody asked, Tanja, what happened to you? Um, by the time I was 10, I was sexually active. Um, I'm a three-time suicide attempt survivor. My first suicide attempt was at the age of 13. Oh my I end- gosh. Yeah, I ended up in the hospital getting my stomach pump- pumped out. And, you know, my family that was a family, you know, centered around faith, you know, told me you just got to go to church more. And so when I got out, I grew up in the church because that's where I sung a lot at. But I, I still <clears throat> went to church, but still had all these bad behaviors. I got kicked out of elementary school and because I used to fight because there was so much anger and rage inside of me. And I didn't know what to do with all these feelings and the shame and condemnation what I didn't know at the time. And so my parents tried to put me in karate, into music, into pageants, cheerleading, but acting was my space. I love, again, I love to entertain people. And so I had a, you know, my parents did the best that they could with knowing not resources, what were out there. And then being a little black girl who comes from a faith community, you know, you told, don't you tell your business. You don't tell that to nobody else. And so I oppressed all of these feelings, all the sadness and madness and hatred of myself inside. And um, I started, you know, using, you know, drugs at an early age. And I went from using marijuana to being a crackhead. Wow. You know, when people say to you, why didn't you tell anybody that actually mm, makes me angry because you're talking about a seven-year-old child. And I think that sometimes people maybe lose track of what it's like to be seven. And when you get abused like that, the abuser always tells you the horrible things he's going to do to you and everybody, you know, if you tell anybody and you, what seven-year-old would be able to rise above that? I just, I can't think of any. I can't. You know, my grandchildren, some of them are six. It's like, you know, when you when you scare somebody like that and you traumatize somebody like that, when people say that to you, say, why didn't you tell anybody? I, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of trauma, you know, you're right. And, and, and people ask, was, you know, was 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 marijuana my gateway? I'm like, no to drugs, no trauma was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I sung in this choir and uh it was a community choir. And the director wrote this song and he had me sing it. I was his like pupil, you know, young singer. And it went like this. I am just a child I know. Everything I am will grow. Things that hurt when I am small grows much bigger when I'm tall. And I had no idea I was basically prophesying my life of trauma, that was something that was little. And because it went untreated, undiagnosed, untalked about, it was it was never a little thing, but you know, I was a little thing. My nickname was Tiny Bit, actually. Mm. And so when this when I as I grew, the trauma grew and all of the bad behavior and the drugs and the sex addiction that, you know, was worse than my drug addiction. And, you know, I'm a three-time suicide attempt survivor. I've been in a mental hospital twice. And I know what drugs can do. I know it can take you places and spaces that you think, oh, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. Well, guess what? 
most people I know, it was not our desire. Like, you know what? When I grow up, I think I want to be a crackhead or I think I want to be a meth head. No, we had hopes and dreams, but yep. addiction and drugs hijacked that. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. What what people tell us here on the podcast that they did when they were on drugs, it's like, I people don't understand. People think, why can't you just stop, Tanja? Why mm-hmm. can't you just... It, it, it's such an uneducated viewpoint. And, you know, one of the main reasons we do this podcast is because we want to educate people and get them to understand that addiction is not something that 90 plus percent of the people can just stop and walk away from. It's physically addicting. It's mentally addicting. It's spiritually addicting. And when someone such as yourself, and I'm not a therapist, but I'm just talking because I know, but when someone such as such as yourself is dealing with an underlying trauma that you cannot talk about, mm-hmm. then you, how are you supposed to get, come to grips with addiction? I, it, yeah. That, that part, like I said, it hijacks your brain. Well, you know, I'm a certified peer support specialist and uh, I've been doing, you know, this work for probably over 20 something years. You know, I have a book called from the crack house to the white house. And I know that's a shameless plug, but it's true. And it's not shameless. And you can totally plug your book from the, <laughs> from the crack house to the white house, Tanja miles. Yes. And it's on Amazon and you can go to my website and there's so many other different stories of hope about that. But at the end of the day, one thing that I realized, you know, my husband and I, we also, you know, owned um, uh, a treatment center. It was the first of its kind in, you know, in our state and the first of its kind in the country. It was called Free and Deep uh, Treatment Center. And we opened it in 2004. We sold it in 2010 and it's still going on. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. We appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash BIT dot LY slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. But the thing that one thing I've seen about working in this space is, is that addiction does not discriminate <laughs> from the curbside to the country club. I know people who are broke 
and have billions. And if, if it's not them, it's a loved one who uh, has a substance use disorder. So you're right about education. And I'm so glad you, you do these podcasts because people need to be educated that about addiction, about what treatment options are, what hopes look like, that there's help. And I want to tell people, and that's why people go, man, you talk about your stuff so raw and so intimate because at the end of the day, I want people to know that there's hope. And look, most people didn't think I lived to be past 18 and I made a vow to God if he would get me out that black hole because I had lost everything. I started doing prostitution. I stole from my parents, you know, you name it. I mean, I've been raped three times, you know, and just had so much bad, risky behavior. But at the end of the day, I know that there is hope and it's places and spaces like this that people can learn and we can educate people on how addiction hijacks your brain. I tell people all the time, have you ever been addicted to something? Coffee? I, I'm working down one time. I say, have you ever been addicted to a bad relationship? You know it's bad for you, but you think it's good for you and you continue to go back? Well, baby, that's what addiction is. Yeah. worse. Yep. Sugar is one on mine. Caffeine. I got both of those. I'm going to say that right now. But you know, the other thing I think that's very important about what you're saying is if parents are listening and we think the parents do listen, and if you think that it's never going to happen to your child because you raised them right. Let me tell you something. You can't be around your child 24-7 for the rest of their lives. At some point, they're going to make their own decisions. And especially just slightly off track, like what you were talking about, the kids who are now going onto social media and deciding they want to try a Xanax or a Percocet and find out that it's fentanyl and they die. That part. You, you, it's not your fault, parent, but you need to figure out how to deal with it. You know, and if you have a child that's addicted, don't get so much into the shame, blame about you. Figure out how you can help that person. Yeah. And, you know, it's so good that you said that because when we had our treatment facility, you know, and still today, you know, um, as a certified peer support specialist and, you know, and, and working in different spaces, uh, you know, and um, we have about eight peers, people like me who have lived experience. Matter of fact, we go out every week as a, I'm a military girl, so we go out in the community as a military, uh, as a military team, I get the intelligence from the crime strategy unit on what people, you know, where people are dying the most, you know, from fentanyl overdose and things of that nature, and what the mental health needs are. And we go out and we push hope and we push resources. We have this program called Ride or Die, where we will Uber our person to take them to treatment. But here's the thing: when you're talking about parents, is that, you know, you're right. A lot of times, parents, you know, blame themselves. Like, you know, that makes me a bad parent. You know, the only thing I tell parents is, is that, you know, like never before, we have to have these candid conversations with our kids, because if we don't, you know, social media will, you know, uh, the website will or being around other friends. And so we have to talk to our kids about the, you know, about addiction and drug use. And so it's mandatory that we do that, because if we can, you know, give them some awareness and give them some resources and some coping skills, because most of them are going to encounter it through a friend somebody at school, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's pushed out in our face right now. And so parents, I encourage you to have those conversations. I know they're hard, but they're necessary conversations. So you can really train, teach, or equip your kid that when that happens, you know, do not take a gummy from anybody for real, for real. And if you got a headache, you go to the school nurse or you go to the principal or the teacher, or you come home, don't take anything from someone 
You know, don't drink anything that you're not sure of if, if it's open, even if it's not open. You know, it's so many things like that. But at the end of the day, just having a conversation with your kids about it may not happen. It could happen. But if it does, here's what you need to do. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Yep, I agree. And, you know, we've had here on the podcast a couple of times, and I, I bring this up just because I'm familiar with this organization, but there's an organization called Drug Free World, and they have booklets about all of the different drugs and not anything about morally why you need to say no, but here's what they are. Here's what the chemicals are. Here's what they'll do to your body. Here's what the experience is. And here's the long-term effects. It's fact. It, it, it's nobody's opinion. It's facts. And all of those materials are free. And so parents, if you need resources, you have people like Tanja. What's your website, Tanja? It's tanjamiles.com. T-O-N-J-Y-L-E-S.com. Right. T-O-N-J-A-M-Y-L-E-S.com. So you have resources. If you don't know how to have that conversation with your child, and let me tell you right now, just being dogmatic about it is not going to work with most kids, you have to educate them and you have to be willing to accept what they say. And if they say to you, oh, I've already had people offer me this and I kind of tried it, but it wasn't a big deal. You have to be able to not react and say, here are the facts. And sometime you might try it and die. And that's mm-hmm. the danger. That's a, a it's a real danger of drugs today. It's no longer oh, I'm just going to try a little hit of weed. No, right. even weed is is laced with fentanyl. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's not the drug use that I came up with, and I'm and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm out the game. You know, by the grace of God, because you know I would snort. I was always chasing high. I was always looking for the next hit, and that's the thing. You you know, there's nothing like that first hit, and you're always trying to chase it. You know, and then before you know it, you know, you're hijacked and you're going, what the heck has just happened here? But you're right. You know, and that's so great that you said that, because a lot of times when kids do share that with their parents, you know, oh, you're grounded for the next year. Oh, my God. You know, and just staying, you know, you know, I tell parents just sit on your hands, just sit on your hands, breathe, pause, breathe, listen, listen. And then, you know, have a candid conversation because you want them to come back. Because look, I have, you know, I have been in, you know, in, in sessions and places with kids who are seven years old working with, you know, schools across the country. And it's nothing like to hear a six-year-old say, yes, ma'am, I know what drugs are, you know, and I've tried them or, you know, I see my brother or my parents, you know, use them and, you know, things of that nature. But not only that, you know, you know, so much now is at their fingertips, you know, oh, yeah. that they have to do is do that. And they might be looking for something innocent and then there's something that pops up. So yeah, know, my friend says Xanax will just smooth me out. I just want to try it. And then they get yeah. one off of social media and it turns out to be fentanyl and then they die. It's a, it's a situation of poisoning. It isn't even addiction so much anymore with the young people. But Tanja, I want to take you back to your story because I don't know if you told me at what point you realized, like, what was your point of no return? When did you realize you you had to stop drugs and sex and what have you and 
change your you life. Know that was so many because, you know, I, you know, if, if my mom and my dad was around who I dearly love and miss, you know, they would tell you, you know, I told them so many times, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop. And I didn't, and I didn't. And I just got worse and worse and worse. You know, I mean, I've OD before I've had guns put to my head, you know, I've been, you know, raped and just so many other, you know, things that, you know, I, I put myself in those positions, but look, even no means no, let me just be real clear about that, you know, but it got so bad you know, that I didn't even know the difference sometime between consent and what rape was because, you know, I was so, you know, you know, stoned. But, you know, for me, you know, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Look, I lived most of my life wanting to die because of the shame of the, you know, the the, the seven-year-old experience and just the trauma of that. So um, the last time, I, you know, that uh, I had told my grandmother, I said, you know, I said, you know, he's trying to kill me. You know, I'm like, the enemy's trying to kill me. I'm like, you know, I, I just can't do this anymore. And she said, Tanja, you know, there's a purpose and plan for your life. And I took her at her word. And so when she told me that God had a plan for my life, I went, hey, look at God. Okay, if you are who you say you are, then help me. And if you help me, you give me my self-respect back. You give me my dignity back. You give me my life back. I promise promise I will wake up every day to push hope and tell people that there's a better way. And so, you know, it was that, you know, where either you're going to really die or you, do you, do you really want to live? And I choose to take, I chose to take out a word and I, um, I never look back. Uh, and how long ago was that? That was over 30 years ago. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, well done. Yeah, you know, but, you know, and, and look, and like I said, addiction, and I know that, you know, we, you know, we're not talking about mental health, but, you know, the addiction piece, you know, it was nobody, you know, but, you know, just the grace that really, you know, helped me through, you know, being a crackhead, because I started off like, oh, I'll never be a crackhead. Oh, I'm so much better than that, because I'm this, that, and the third, and before you know it, I was straight up, you know, you know, doing crack, and, um, and so, like I said, I, there's so many times that, you know, I should have died and I didn't. I know that I have purpose. And so, you know, again, that's why I go so, you know, down and dirty about my real stuff, because I want people to know no matter what you've done, you know, you might think this is my rock bottom and there's no way out of this black hole, but there is hope. And I, you know, I, I've never looked back. Now, the mental health diagnosis, you know, of depression and anxiety and PTSD, and a lot of it, I believe, come from you know, the, um, you know, the addiction, because there was so much stuff that I was pushing up my nose and so many things that I did to my body, even though I'm living a healthy life, but there is a lot of repercussions that I have to address, you know, having this many birthdays that addiction caused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also uh, the childhood trauma. I mean, that, that right there is going to affect your mental health. It just does, you know, yes. uh, you're, irreparably unless you can get to the point where you can talk about it and maybe help other people talk about it. We actually uh, just had an, another gentleman on the podcast who suffered sexual abuse at age 17. And, and, you know, he just wants, he wants people to know that you can talk about it and you can get help, but it takes guts. Mm -hmm. It does. It takes guts and it takes courage and, you know, and, and like I said, you know, when I tell people who, you know, read the book and look, I didn't even want to write a book. There have been many, you know, documentaries and publications and TV series and stuff that, 
you know, I have allowed people to write, you know, my story on and, you know, my, you know, how I got, you know, involved with the White House and, you know, being on that national stage and having the world know all the junk and jacked up stuff that I did. But in the book, there are some things I had never told before. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was therapeutic for me, but then it was also a way, you know, for me to let people know, again, no matter how bad it is, you know, that, you know, there is hope and you have purpose and it's a fight. It's one day at a time, you yep. know, some breath at a time, but, you know, you know, you can do it. And so, um, you know, I, I talk about, the, you know, in the book, so many different things that, you know, I went through and, you know, just having an aha moment and, you know, the suicide attempts. And look, we have to address stigma around, you know, substance abuse because, you know, the, and I'm going to just say this, that was a, um, there was a politician here in Louisiana and there was a commercial that he had. And basically, you know, he was just talking about stuff and, you know, and, and defunding the police, which I'm, you know, so not, you know, in favor of that, you know, I'm a, that was, I was a military police in, in the uh, army, but that's me to hear that. But one of the things he said, he's like, yeah, the next time you get in trouble, you know, call a crackhead, you know, and I went on, I did a video. Yeah. And I said, you know, look, sir, you know, I know some of the people who voted for you and supported for you. You're talking about their family members. And with everything going on with, you know, drug overdose in our community, that is not a cool thing to try to make clickbait about. So we have to address the stigma. And that's why, you know, I'm so grateful to be a part of one of the, you know, biggest, you know, stop stigma campaigns together through the Huntsman Mental Health Foundation to address that. So people don't have to suffer in silence. Right. Right. I agree. And you, everything you've said today on the podcast, we've repeated so many times because people think, oh, addict, homeless, dirty person under the bridge. No, white collar child, teenager down the street. You're, you, you, yeah. Anyway, addiction yeah, doesn't know politics, religion, it doesn't does care what your bank account is. No. Doesn't matter. Yeah. From the curbside to the country club. That's right. That's exactly right. So talk a little bit more now, Tanja, about what you're doing these days. Oh, yeah. Let me see here. So, <laughs> so you know, my husband and I, we're both outreach pastors, and uh, we do a lot of work inside of prisons every week. We've been doing that for the past, I guess, 17 years, maybe. We had a treatment facility. We have a nonprofit called Set Free Indeed. And so what we do is we go out and we push hope and we push resources. We go to schools. We go to churches. I wrote curriculum for churches because, look, I, I'm, I'm of the faith you know, community and with the works when it comes to addiction. I'm not going to lie, you know, and, you know, calling calling, you know, people of spirit. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? It's a disorder. It's a disease. And it's also a dis-ease of maybe something else is going on. So let's get to the root cause of what makes a person want to use in the first place. So we push out information. We, we're doing this big campaign that's gotten a lot of national attention called When You're Ready BR, where we go out, like I was telling you earlier, you know, we have a team of eight peers of amazing folks and they go out and we push resources and we tell people about treatment. I do a lot of things around policy you know, and uh, procedure and, and and things of that nature for the state of Louisiana and also for SAMHSA, who, you know, is a governing body for our country when it comes to mental health and substance abuse. Um, I do a lot of speaking engagements and uh, I help, you know, you know, use my life story. I use my lived experience a lot with 988, which is a national hotline and not, not just for suicide, but, but also for a person who has, you know, who has issues with addiction and they want to know what the help is and things of that nature. So, Anything to 
anything to, you know, around policy and setting up, you know, uh, uh, plans for different organizations across the country. But the best work that I do as a certified peer support specialist is I share my lived experience as a mental health professional. And I get to, you know, use this thing when I get calls from family members or someone who's saying, look, I need help. I don't know what to do. I heard your story. Somebody told me to call you. And that is the best work. I'm grateful that I've, you know, worked with the White House for six years. You know, uh, that was amazing. I'm grateful for all the work that I do around the country and in my community. But the best work I believe I do every day is on myself first. And then also, too, when that phone ring and that's someone who's saying, I have no hope and I don't want to live because the drugs have just taken over my life and it's unmanageable. And I get to talk them through what hope look like and what help look like. That's amazing. Does that mean you give me your phone number and we can actually have people listen and get it? Oh, 225-288-1044. And then they can also go on my website and I'm always pushing hope and I'm always pushing resources because no matter where people are, you know, I like to know what the resources are and tell them, you know what, call 988. You look under SAMHSA, you know, you know, go, you know, to Mental Health America, you know, go to NAMI, you know, so many different resources that are out there that we can push people to and and even how to connect them to, you know, those local resources. That's why I'm so excited about 988 because I, I thought I'd never see anything in my life like 988. And when, you know, they asked me to, you know, testify on Capitol Hill and, you know, and be a subject matter expert for 988 and crisis continuum, which I do now, you know, I'm all about that life. And when I say all about that life, L-I-F-E, live in freedom every day, you know, just really teaching people and encouraging them that they can live their best life, that even though, you know, you've had issues with addiction, but it does not have to define you. And right. that they right. 225 288 1044. Yes. Tanja Miles.com. T O N J A M Y L E S.com. Tanja, I apologize. I called you Tanya in the beginning, but thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today. Leave us with a message. Give us a message for the people who are calling and might either be in addiction themselves or have friends and family. You know what? I want to let you know that there's hope, that there's help out there, that you're not the only one. A lot of times when we're in that shame, we're thinking we're the only one, that we're so jacked up and messed up that nobody will understand. And there are so many of us in recovery who understand that. And and I want to tell that person, give yourself some space and give yourself some grace. And to family members that I know it's hard. You know, I know what I put my parents through. My mom was also an alcoholic and my dad was a functioning addict. And I know what that looks like. But at the end of the day, I can't stress enough that you can do this, that you're not the only one, that you can make it. And, you know, I'd like to, you know, leave them with this. You know, one of my favorite things that I do is sing when I'm in a, a, a challenging space. And I always remember this song that my grandmother would love. And it's real short and it goes like this. Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case an empty space if not for grace amazing grace how sweet the sound I once was lost 
But now I'm found a hopeless case in empty space. If not for grace, give yourself some grace. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Tanja mentioned to me that there is uh, there's a video coming out, um, and if you can find out more about it, it's called "Moving America's Soul on Suicide." And you go to movingamericassoulonsuicide.com, and you can check that out. Once again, Tanja's number two two five two eight eight one zero four four, or Tanja T O T O N J A Miles M Y. LES.com. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.